champions, I know this podcast is a little bit late this week, but I have a good reason for that. Monday was Canada Day, and because of that, I decided to take some time off. I spent the day with my brother and my wife, and it was just awesome. But now I'm back in work mode, so I'm getting this podcast today. Last time we discussed top and bottom design approaches and how we implemented them into Welcome to JLR. This week, I want to talk about iterating the set. Before I get into that, I want to mention Patreon. Thank you to everyone who has supported us through Patreon. Our July packages will be going out soon. It will contain the Anime North promo of Mali. If you want to get your hands on an Anime Champion, then you gotta sign up soon. In August, we'll be sending out the Anime North promo of Nubia, and it looks absolutely awesome. For more information, go to patreon.com slash genesisboc. Secondly, are you ready for the championship yet? Remember, the Welcome to JLR cards will be tournament legal for that event. The winner will walk away with $1,000. you got to be ready. It's on November 16th in Cambridge, Ontario. Don't forget. Okay, let's get back into the content. One of the biggest lessons I've learned in my life, which has become my motto, is learn, pivot, keep moving. At the end of the day, this boils down to iterate. Never expect to make things perfect the first time around. Welcome mistakes and errors. But each time you make a mistake or error, learn to grow and not make the same mistake twice. Let's take two key cards as examples, Cross Punch and Guided Error. Both these cards, while having their place in the game, were a bit of a failure in the set. This is a, the reason you don't see them in many constructed decks or tournament play. It isn't that you never see them, you just don't see them that often. But what could be wrong? Well, let's iterate on them. Both cards give players something they want and need, an opportunity to hit for just one more damage at a moment's notice. But what did it take away from them? These cards often take up prime real estate in their timeline. The 5 chi for Guided Arrow could easily become Tsunami if you're playing Raha or Nubia, or Rampage Toss with Fong Along. The 4 chi for Cross Punch was often replaced by Sideswipe, Hunting Hound, Gust, or Air Shield. Both of these cards were just, just didn't have a place in the timeline. In Welcome to JLR, we decided to take those exact cards but put them in a more appealing chi slot. We decreased both of their chi values by one, and this put the card into more realistic chi value. So Cross Punch turned into Left Hook, and Guided Arrow is now Quick Shot. Very similar cards, but at a lower chi value. It doesn't mean that you can't play Cross Punch or Guided Arrow anymore, it's just these other cards, in my opinion, feel like they fit the game a little bit better. So this does increase the cost of both cards, but, at a sm but it's a small price to pay to have a more fine-tuned timeline. What was our key takeaway from this experience? We learned that a card that was only dealing one damage should hover closer to the 3 and 4 chi slot. Though they are useful, they are not as essential to the process and thus they should not take up the higher chi slots. Two other cards that follow similar patterns were Blink Shards, which tur is turning into Temporal Relocation, and Angel's Kiss, which is turning into Angel's Embrace. 
Now you can still play the Alpha and Beta cards, Bling Shards, Angel's Kiss, Cross Punch, Guided Arrow, but these other cards we feel fit the game a little bit better. So Bling Shards is a great card, but the Chi was just too darn high on it. So we moved it to the 5 Chi slot. This was the same issue with Angel's Kiss. It was a very useful card and powerful for drafts. However, it just couldn't compete with the other six Chi cards. Will these changes fix the cards and make them more playable? I don't know. I'm hoping they will, but we'll just have to learn from Welcome to JLR, pivot as we need, and just keep moving forward. These are great examples on a smaller scale of how we iterated through the set. However, we also had to iterate on the whole process of designing a set. Welcome to JLR is an interesting set and a huge milestone for us because this is the first set I didn't have to design alone. Both Lionel and Carl joined the team and have contributed a lot to the process. However, because of that, we had a lot of iterating we had to do. From how to run meetings, communicating on a regular basis, or even our process for making cards, all of it had to be built up from scratch. So let's talk about our design process and iterate on it. Phase one, when we started building cards, it was very simple. Each person makes cards and we start testing it. We had a lot of great ideas come out of this. The problem here was that we had no cohesive element in the set. It was just a bunch of random cards thrown together. So then we moved to phase two. We defined the tone of the set. And we'll talk about this more in next week's podcast. Once we knew the tone for the set, we started creating cards in those tones. This was great and made the set cohesive. However, we kept running into the same issue. Someone would have a great idea, spend a week thinking of the cost, the wording, the name of the card. Then in our meeting, they would pitch the idea with a lot of pride and I would have to just shut the card down because it just wasn't good for the game. For example, someone had an idea that of a 6G card that takes a 4G card from your memories and puts it back into your timeline. It's simplistic enough, they had a really great name for it, the flavor was all there, and it could work in, uh, and it worked in the tone of the set. However, where we are in Genesis's story so far, having a card that would bring things from the memories into the timeline would defeat the core mechanic of energy, and that wouldn't be good for game design. So we went to phase three. We implemented the idea of pitching cards before designing them. Instead of coming in with a solid card idea with, for each meeting, each person came in with five to ten ideas for a similar card, and the team would choose their favorite. Then we would start uh, started to spend the time finding the name for it, cost, etc. But we still had one more issue. Our formula could not account for all the no new permutations of cards. So then we moved into phase four, our final phase, where we are right now. We updated and fixed the formula. Now all's good in the world. And at the end of the game design process, uh, at the end of it all, our game design process goes as such. We create the tone of the set and what each card is to represent for that tone. Each person takes a card with a given tone and comes up to five to 10 ideas for that card. The team votes on the best one. We name that card, we put the card through the formula, then it goes off to the art team. This is a 
uh, this is kind of a bottom to up approach. However, since we are starting with tone, a flavor thing, and then going into mechanics, it's a bit more of a ping pong approach to making a card. We go from flavor to mechanic to flavor to mechanic, etc. until it is, it is done. We do have an entire testing process and we'll talk about that in a later podcast as well. So I think that's all for this topic. I hope you enjoyed it and you start implementing some of this iteration into your own pathway. Until next week, bye.